So we continue our series through 1 Peter. And uh, as we do that, we come to the next major step in his letter, in his development of what he wants to say. Now remember, the people who Peter is writing to are suffering. They're suffering for their faith. And Peter is concerned that some may fall away or even be crushed because of the troubles that they are going through. So Peter writes that they will stand firm while finding joy. Now, he comes, he's been developing all sorts of ways that we can do that, and he comes to a next major step, how we can stand firm while find joy. So we'll go straight into verse 23, where we left off from last week. And this is what Peter writes. For you have been born again, not out of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. Now, last week, we were introduced to the idea, or reminded really, of the empty way of life that had been handed down from our ancestors. And that's the default, the factory setting for us all. But last week, we saw that through the blood of Jesus, through his death on the cross, we can transition from an empty way of life to a full, abundant and rich life. And now Peter says, well, how does this happen? Well, that's what we're going to look at today. How does this happen? Verse 23, for you have been born again. It's been born again that sees us move from an empty way of life to a full way of life that sees us to be able to stand firm in the face of the worst possible trouble and also find joy, just like the little one that's running around. It's lovely. It's lovely to have them here. So don't worry at all about the little ones. If you big ones start running around, that's different. <laughs> I'll, get, I'll get Liam onto you and he can tackle you to the ground. But if you're under five and you want to have a wee run, then you're most welcome to. Born again. What's that all about? Being born again. Now, in some Christian circles, you hear that mentioned a reasonable amount of times, but others hardly mention at all. So what's happening? And we're going to open up the Bible to see what it looks like, what it means. And we're going to see three things, three things this morning about being born again. First of all, it is central to our faith. You cannot get around the factors that Christians are born again. Second of all, and it's related, this is essential to our salvation. No exceptions. And thirdly, we're going to see that being born again is a supernatural event. So let's move on. Central. Despite many people who consider being born again as optional, it is central. It's not an add-on for the super keen. It's not an emotional experience for those Christians that are that way inclined. Indeed, there are a whole group of people who think this. Here's the group of Christians, and here's a subset who happen to be born again. And then they place themselves in either of those two camps. But that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that if you're born again, you are a Christian. If you're not born again, you're not a Christian. It's that black and white when it comes to this particular issue. Now, this is so central, so important. We're going to do a survey. We're going to go through the Bible verses in the New Testament that highlight this, just so that we know, just that we're reminded, just that we're convinced that being born again is central. And the first passage is 1 John 1.12. Yet to all who did receive Christ, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 
Great news, isn't it? Children born not by natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Here we see becoming a Christian involves three things. We receive Jesus, we believe in him, and we are born again. All three go together, don't they? You cannot remove any one of those and still be a Christian. Two out of three is not good enough. It has to be three out of three. Believe, receive, born again. The next passage that we'll go to to show that being born again is central is probably the most famous, the most go-to passage when it comes to being born again, and that's Nicodemus talking with Jesus at night. Now, what happens there? Well, Nicodemus comes to Jesus and said, well, you've got a lot of great teaching, uh, and, but I don't understand it all. Tell me, Jesus. To which Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Nicodemus wanted a theological discussion. He wanted to know what the Bible said about this, that, and the other, and which Jesus said, you must be born again. Then another example would be the encounter with the woman at the well. Now, in this particular encounter, the phrase or the term born again is not mentioned, but listen to what Jesus is describing, what he's offering her. This is Jesus talking to the woman at the well. But whoever drinks of the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, a lot of other religions will come up and say, if you're good and work hard, then you may be blessed. Good luck. Jesus is not coming to this woman and saying, be a good person, you know, work hard at being good, I encourage you. He's not doing that at all. What he's saying, what he's offering is a deep-seated, fundamental change that will impact her very depth of her being, that a spring of water that will well up and give her new life. Now, what about the Apostle Paul? He's described being born again like this. Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I'll read that again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. What a wonderful description of being born again. The old is gone, the new has come. We are a new creation. And again, through our survey through the New Testament, what about the Apostle James? In chapter 1, verse 18, he writes this. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that he might be a kind of first fruits to all he created. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. Last one for this morning. Back in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. So at the beginning of chapter 1, Peter talks about new birth. And at the end of chapter 1, where we are now, he talks about being born again. So the apostles John, Paul, James and Peter all describe being born again as central to the Christian faith. So... If anyone gives you a form of Christianity that does not have new birth as central, they are trying to sell you a counterfeit. If any church doesn't preach about being born again, if any church is embarrassed or backs away or denies about being born again, they are offering a fake faith. 
that doesn't please God and has nothing to offer. Because being born again is central to our faith. And the second thing we want to look at is that being born again is not only central, it is essential for salvation. No exception. And we're going to look how Jesus made this absolutely clear by going back to John 3. Remember, Nicodemus wanted a theological discussion about the Old Testament and where it all fitted together. And Jesus said this in John 3, 3. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now, in case Nicodemus misses the point, two verses later, Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, Nicodemus, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of the water and of the Spirit. And again, in case Nicodemus is a bit slow, <laughs> he tells him again, two verses later, for the third time, you should not be surprised at my, be, at my saying, you must be born again. Now, repetition is how the Bible highlights something important. When the Bible was written, they didn't have the option of bold or underlining or um, highlighting. The way they made things clear, the way they wanted to emphasize something was by repetition. And if you look when you're reading passages, you, it's not unusual to find double repetition, things repeated twice. Very, very rare to find triple repetition. Very rare to find triple repetition in the Bible. And here's one case. And because this is because Jesus is trying to emphasize his point. And again, you notice those first two, two sayings in verse 3 and verse 5. Notice they start, very truly, very truly, I tell you. Uh, very truly, I tell you. In the King James, it was truly, truly, I say unto you. Now, in the original language, it's amen, amen, I say unto you. Amen, amen. Notice how Jesus is again repeating. So he's repeating like three times here and two times here. You see, this is as close as it's going to get of God shouting in your ear, you must be born again. It's abundantly clear in these passages. And notice also not the words being said as much, but also who Jesus is talking to. Now, Nicodemus is a Pharisee. Now, not all Pharisees in the Bible are hypocritical, judgmental, law twisters. Now, many of the Pharisees are, but not all of them. Certainly not Nicodemus. You see, Nicodemus was everything good about a Pharisee. He knew the Bible back to front, the Old Testament, inside and out. He lived a life that honoured God. He was even involved in civic matters. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. And he knew that Jesus was a great teacher who had come from God, and yet Jesus still said three times, you must be born again. So if you're here today and you consider yourself a good person, and if you respect Jesus, it's not enough. If you're doing your best to live a good life and you think Jesus was a great guy, not enough. You need to be born again. I mean, Nicodemus would have been the most upright man in Israel, I'm guessing. You know, leave us all for dead when it coming to live a good life, knowing his Bible, prayer, respecting Jesus. And yet Jesus said, you must be born again three times. Amen, amen. And that's Jesus' way of saying that we all must be born again. It is essential. It is not optional. And you might think, why? Why can't I just live a good life and leave it at that and God be happy? Why do I have to be born again? Well, if we go back to that passage in Peter, 
It's like this, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 24. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. You see, we all are like flowers of the field. We all bloom and then wither and fall away. In the bigger scheme of things, we like to think in our own mind, we think we're always going to live forever and it's never really going to matter. But we are just like the flowers in the field that bloom bright but wither quickly. And it's this withering to nothing, which is our fate, that sees us needing to be born again. We need to be born again. Another image the Bible uses, apart from flowers that wither, is the hearts of stone. We all have a heart of stone and that needs to be replaced with a heart of flesh. So we're moving metaphors from, from the field um, to heart surgery. Now Ezekiel, he was a prophet that lived about uh, four or five hundred years before Jesus. Amazingly, God described to him what born again was all about. And this is God speaking through the prophet Ezekiel and says this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my degrees and be careful to keep my laws. See, being born again is having our heart of stone replaced by a heart of flesh and the very spirit of the living God coming to live within it. Think about this. Imagine a scene where a, a baby is being born and there's the midwife there and the dad and maybe some other medical staff and the baby is born and then everybody holds their breath because they're waiting for what? For the baby to take its first breath. And it's the hardest breath that that baby will ever take because its lungs are, are sort of all squashed together and um, he, he or she has to take that breath. And as soon as that wee one takes its breath, everybody goes, oh, well, there's life in that baby all as well. You see, what happens is our condition is that we are spiritually dead. And until we take our first breath, our first spiritual breath and are born again, then we are dead to the things of God. And you see, that's why being born again is a spiritual event. Okay, It's, it's central to the Christian faith. It's essential for salvation, but it's also a spiritual event. So what do I actually mean by that? Let's dig a bit deeper about what being born again is. It certainly confused Nicodemus. When Jesus said you must be born again, he said, how can someone be born again when they're old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. I mean, how many of us have thought about that when we first heard about this being born again? And then in verse 9, Nicodemus is still confused even after Jesus' explanation. He says, how can this be? Well, let's go back to 1 Peter and have a look at that passage that we were looking at right at the beginning. Now, I want you to again look for the repetition. This repetition that are in these three verses will help us understand how we can be born again. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass and all. All their glory is like the flowers of the field, and the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Did you notice what was repeated there through that verse, those, those verses? It's all about the word of God, isn't it? The word of God. 
we see here that we're born again through the living word of God. And that word of the word of the Lord endures forever and that it was first preached or shared with you. And it's very similar to what James said in 118. He said he chose to give us new birth through the word, through the word of truth. So the word of God, the Bible, is central to us being born again. And this is how it works. We hear God's word. We hear God's word, the good news of Christ dying for us and setting us free from our empty way of life. And we find out that through his death, through his blood shed for us, we can be put right with God. And as we're listening, our hard hearts would normally just deflect all of that good news. But as we're listening, the Holy Spirit has softened our heart and has given us faith to believe, which means not only do we affirm that Christ died, but that we trust him with our life. And the Holy Spirit helps us to receive Jesus, to receive Jesus. Just like it said in John chapter 1, verse 12, we ask Christ to be Lord of our life. And because we have believed and received Christ, we are born again. So we hear the word of God, and normally it would just bounce off our hard hearts. But the Holy Spirit makes it come alive to us so we can believe, receive, and be born again. And this is by grace which means that none of us in this room are clever enough to have thought this through or have the brains or the withdrawal or, or the insight to understand this. For of ourselves, with our hard hearts, when we hear of the death of Jesus, we think, what a waste of a life. Or when we hear about the life of Jesus, we just said, we just think, what a load of nonsense. Or of ourselves, when we hear about Jesus dying, we just think, Oh, well, that's irrelevant. That happened 2,000 years ago, and we just walk on because our hearts are still hard. However, when the Holy Spirit gets to work and our hearts are soft, then we receive the good news with great joy. We become children, not born by natural descent. Do you notice what it says there? Not born of a human decision. It's a decision by God, not by us. Not by our parents, not by our spouse or anyone else. Decision by God and we're part of it and it's exciting. And this is why being born again is supernatural. It's all to do with the Holy Spirit working in our lives. But it's also an event, a supernatural event. And what do I mean by that supernatural event? Well, there's a before and an after. There was a time before I was born again then I was born again, and there was a time after. And again, it's very similar to a baby being born. You know, Flora is expecting a baby. That's before. There will be a time when the baby pops out, and then there will be an after when you hold the baby in your arms with, with great joy, a before and an after. Now, just with natural births, there can be a variety, can't there, of birthing experience, short and sharp and long and laborious. But the baby's still born, isn't it? Whether, like my sister-in-law, short and sharp, baby born on the kitchen floor. <laughs> or a two-day marathon. The baby's still born before and after. And it's the same with us when it comes to being born again. I mean, Gail, you shared last week that you um, became a Christian at a Billy Game speaking event. Rally, that's the word I was looking for. I thought about that during the week. And so maybe someone's at a Billy Graham sort of rally or event or something similar, and you hear the word of God. The Holy Spirit's worked on you. You go to the front. 
you invite Christ into your life, someone prays with you, and you fill out a card with a date, and you know you were born again then. And that's fine. That's wonderful. We rejoice. And then well, I'll give you my example. Uh, when I was a teenager, about Liam's age, I loved to read. Went to a small but vibrant youth group. And there was a couple of dads that were running it, and they had some books, and I love to read, and they had some really good books, you know, about how Christianity and science and, and really quite neat books. And, I, I, and we'd take the books, and at the end, there'd often be what we call a sinner's prayer. Do you know, do you know what a sinner's prayer is? Yeah. It's, a, it's a simple prayer where, you, where you, you basically say, Lord, I'm sorry that I've missed the mark. I repent. I turn to you. Christ, come into my life. Words to that effect. I remember I used to read that prayer every time I came to it because it seemed a good idea to me at the time and couldn't hurt. It was probably a good thing. And then I remember one time finishing a book and saying that prayer and then, and then I'm thinking, well, that's not how it works. Because and then I thought, what's the oldest age I could imagine? And it was 40. And when I was that, you know, and I thought to myself, I don't want to be 40 and still asking Jesus into my life. That can't possibly be how it works. So I said it one more time just to make sure. <laughs> and then I haven't asked Jesus into my life since. Now, here's a question. When was I born again? Was I born again when I the first time that I asked Jesus into my life? Or that last time? You know, I don't know. Don't particularly care, actually. <laughs> because I had that lovely assurance that something had happened. And so, for, so it doesn't really matter whether you, know, you go to a Billy Graham concert and you sign a little form that says, I became a Christian at this night. That's great. Or whether it's a bit like me, like it's... That would have been about 18 months, I think. You know, and there are some people born in the church and grew up in the church and they may be 30 or 40 or something like that and then they realise, actually, you know, I really believe all this stuff. <laughs> you know, Jesus is really alive to me. And, and you might not be able to point that time, but you have that assurance that God has made a difference. So that's what I mean by saying that being born again is a supernatural event. It's supernatural because it's all to do with the Holy Spirit and us cooperating and, you know, just asking Jesus into our life. And for some people, that happens at a time that they can put in their diary. But for others, it's a process. But just like a baby that's born quickly is just as much born as a baby that's taken two days, they're both equally born, aren't they? They both go on to have wonderful lives. It's the same with us when it comes to being born again. There's a lot more that could be said. In fact, I had another couple of pages which I put in the bin because I thought the sermon would go on forever. There's a lot more that the Bible has to say about this. So let's, let's just pull this together. Uh, first of all, being born again is central. Uh, some folk think it's an optional extra for super keen Christians. It's not. It's what we need to do. Any Christian teaching that ignores, denies, or is embarrassed about being born again is counterfeit. So avoid it. Any ministry that doesn't have this somewhere. May not preach it every week, but you know, if, if you go to a church where this is talked about, where you hear the testimony now and again of someone who came to Jesus, then that church is on the right track. But if a church is ignoring, denying, or embarrassed about talking about being born again, then be very careful. Secondly, and related to this, being born again is essential. Think of Nicodemus, probably the most upright man in Israel in his day, and Jesus said three times, you better be born again or you will not see the kingdom of heaven. And it's the same for everyone here. And finally, we saw that being born again is a supernatural event. The Holy Spirit comes into our life 
And instead of the good news just bouncing off our hard hearts, the good news sinks deep and flourishes and we respond with joy to the good news. And our life is never the same. And it's an event because we can sort of point to a time, either a date that's in our diary when I was born again or to a period of time like I can of about 18 months. I was born again somewhere around there. <laughs> Either way, it's an event. As I said, much more can be said, but I think it's a good time to close in prayer. Let's pause, ponder the wonderful mystery and the blessing of God's gift to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you that you have reached down into our hard and stony hearts and by your Holy Spirit have made Jesus come alive to us. We pray we will never take that for granted and we pray that each day Jesus will be more beautiful to us and we will be more devoted to him. And we pray for the people in our lives, Lord, that still have hard, stony hearts to Jesus. Help us to be just gentle and, and consistent witnesses of your love. And in the opportunities that we can, can we share Jesus with others. We pray this through Christ's holy name. Amen.